are the kings of these kingdoms? Jesus and Satan, two kings, two opposing forces. Is it true, is it true that you are a citizen of one of these two kingdoms right now? Oh, it's not like one in one? Scripture doesn't teach that. They're either spiritually alive or you are spiritually dead right now. Hello? You are either spiritually alive in this kingdom of light or you are spiritually dead. And unless you come to know the kingdom of light and his kingdom and his king, you will be dead on that day. You will spiritually find that out. It's going to be awful. Question number four. Are these two kingdoms at war? Right? Remember in, in Revelation 12, it says, The devil declared war against all who keep God's commandment and who maintain their testimony for Jesus. Amen. Revelation 12, 17. Second Timothy, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, Be a good soldier. Be a good soldier of Christ. In fact, what you believe about Jesus, more importantly, what you do about what you believe, will determine where you will spend eternity. All right. Well, then, if we say that we believe in Jesus and we know Jesus, what we do about what we believe matters. There are short-term and long-term consequences to our choices. And so the question in the spirit journey of walking and learning about the power that he gave us, what affects, what impacts our ability to do the things of the kingdom. What are the things that matter in the journey that we're on that will impact and affect this journey? We're going to unpack Scripture to help us. Another way of looking at this is, if your, if your desire is, how can you be a better citizen of heaven? Remember he said in Luke's gospel, he said that in Luke 10, 20, he says, they come back from their mission trip. The 72 are all pumped. They've been kicking demon butt out there, right? And the first thing he says, we are even seeing the demons subject to your name. Jesus says, yeah, I saw Satan fall from the sky, falling down. But don't celebrate that. Celebrate the fact that you're a citizen of heaven, that your name is written in the book. Amen. So there's this. How do we become better citizens? How do we become better friends of Jesus? Remember in John 15, he says, I no longer call you servants. Even though we serve him, I no longer call you that. I call you my friends. And now I will reveal the secret things to my friends. So this is how do we become better citizens? How do we become better friends? How about this? How do we become better sons and daughters of the Father? Remember in Romans 8, 15, he says, they become, we're going to read actually that Romans passage Sons and daughters adopted that we cry out and call him Abba, Daddy. So in this journey in the spirit realm, we want to know how do we, get, how do we unlock this empowerment? How do, we, how do we go about this? Well, God did his part. He sent Jesus to free us from sin, and then he sent us the Holy Spirit with power. Right? So he did his part. Remember this? Jesus said after the resurrection during the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension... He meets with them, all the boys, right, and, every, and many eyewitnesses. In fact, 500 eyewitnesses saw him at one time. That ought to be an amazing prayer meeting. And so 
It says that do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised, the Holy Spirit who will come and he will fill you with power. So we know that that's the gift of the Father. So then what's our part? If he sent Jesus, sent us the Holy Spirit with power, we're to receive him, Jesus, and receive the Holy Spirit, and then we are to choose to stand and fight, living by the power. Remember he says in 1 Peter 5, 8, watch out, the devil seeks whom he may devour, take a firm stand against him. You know, if you're walking like in a kind of loose state and like you can get knocked up, but if I take a stand... In a blocking formation, it's a little harder to knock me over. And that's that place where we're standing against them. I want you to see yourself in this place. Take a stand. In fact, Ephesians, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers of darkness in high places, taking a firm stand, right? So don't be moved easily as part of this. So let's turn. I want to look at some of the scriptures that reinforce this. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, and we're going to begin in verse 9. I'm going to mainly read from the New Living Translation, which is the thought-for-thought translation, but I also have the King James in a parallel Bible, and I'm going to use that at times. I like some of the poetic language from the King James. Colossians 1, 9, you there? I like to hear the sound of pages. I know some of you have these phones, but call me old-fashioned. I just like, I like to hear that. And, you know, something about, you, you can't do that in your phone, right? You, you can't do that, right? I got, you, you can, okay, my wife says you can. <laughs> Praise God. Call me old-fashioned. All right. Colossians 1.9. You there? So it says, so we have not stopped praying for you ever since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will, and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Knowledge and spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then, that's a big then, the way that you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. See, this is the washing of the word. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all glorious power so you will have all the endurance, big word, and patience that you need. May you be filled with the joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to the people who live in the light. Big statement. You might want to underline that. Who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. King James says this in verse 11. He who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, delivered us from the power that is behind the darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his son. Man, get a picture of this. When that blood was washing over us, we were delivered from the power of that darkness. I know that you probably like, like, 
Who was that guy that did that? That gal that did that? Man, I don't know who that character was. That's not who I am. That's not what I want. That's not the person. I have been, I'm a new creature in Christ, right? I've been translated. Beam me up, oh God, right? Seated in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 2. It's not Scotty. It's him, right? We see this, that this is that Colossians. Look at verse 21. It says, this includes, this, this amazing chapter, but it goes on, Christ is supreme over all creation, verse 15 and 16. He's supreme over Satan. All that he's created has been held together. He's the head. We are the body, verse 18. By his blood on the cross, he has made this. And then he picks up in verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Hello. Yipes separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. I want you to underline, evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. The result has brought you into his own presence, and you're holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But, that's a big but, not B-U-T-T, B-U-T right? Verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received. King James says, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope. I'll tell you, one of the most disappointing things that happens in this pastor's heart is I've walked with people who were so on fire, laid hands on the sick, saw miraculous things happen. They're not even walking with God and have denied their faith. First of all, how does that happen? I mean, there's this deception that you can drift away. You can depart from the faith. Remember it says they departed from the faith having their conscience seared? Come on, this is a battle. Yes, there's wounds on the battlefield, but there's this place where you better be careful. Do not drift away, he tells us. Paul's saying, don't drift. Don't be drawn away by all the cares and the pleasures of life. Be careful. That seed's got to stay in the right soil. Continue to believe this truth. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Leif Hetland, when I was talking to him the other other day, he's so excited about coming to Wilmington, and he had just gotten back from Pakistan, and he said, Pastor, I got to tell you, Tom, there was... It was the best trip I've ever been on, but it's the hardest I've ever been on. I'm back now. He'll probably share some of the details of that trip. He got physically sick from food poisoning and spiritual battles, and he goes, you know, I'm in this battle that you fight after the battle that you've won. Once you've arrived, you come to the kingdom, you get all fired up. It's like, yeah, whoa, go on a mission trip, go on something, have, have something happen in the spirit realm, pray for somebody at House of Mercy, on the, and people come, it's like, Pastor, you want to have it? Whoa, and they got this testimony, testimony. And then it's like, yes. And then life starts to happen. 
and the battle that you fight after the battle that you've won. He does a whole series on that. It's like, whoa. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Well, actually, let me just read this to you. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. You might want to turn your outline over and just write these down. Colossians 1, 9 through 14 and 1, 21 through 23 there. Then write 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world has blinded their minds of those who don't believe and they can't see. The God of this world has blinded, you know, I get riled up when I turn on the news sometimes and I hear what they're saying <laughs> or I hear about this governor who wants to kill babies after they're born and I'm like, what in the world is wrong with these people? And Paul tells us, They've been blinded. They're blind. They, don't, they can't see the truth. They call evil good and good evil. What the heck is wrong with them? Well, they're motivated by the God of this world, their evil nature. They don't have the... Remember, it says, you can't talk spiritual things to unspiritual people. Right? It's foolishness to them. That's why we've got to be active in what we go after in our times of prayer, in how we vote who we put in office, that matters. Acts 26, 17, and 18, just write that one down. Acts 26, 17, and 18, Paul's being commissioned. He's giving his testimony of his commissioning from Christ when he meets Christ on the road to Damascus, and the Lord blinds him for three days, knocks him down, and says, I'm sending you. This is his commission. Jesus says, I am sending you to open the eyes to turn them from darkness to light, and to turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. That was Paul's commission. Turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. Open their eyes that they might see. Let's turn to this one, Ephesians 2. I told you we're going to have a lot of scripture. In Ephesians 2, and let's begin in verse 1. I want you to see these scriptures are setting the groundwork for the power of the walk in the Spirit. Identifying, first know who your adversary is, also know what are the other aspects of the adversary. We're going to see pretty soon that the other adversary, besides the God of this world, which is Satan, Satan and his demons, but there's also the sinful nature. In Ephesians 2, let's begin in verse 1. It was interesting that Terry, Pastor Terry opened the the service under verse 10. I was going to read that as well. Verse 1, chapter 2, made alive in Christ. Once you were dead, whoa, because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to believe God and obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. I want you to see he's identified, he's the commander of the unseen dark world, that he's also at work in the hearts of those, that's the world, of those that don't believe him, but also your sinful nature and your passionate desires of sinful things have drawn you. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Verse 4, but God is so rich in his mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, 
he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it's only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. One of the victory aspects is to see ourselves in an identity where you're seated with Christ in a heavenly realm. You are above all the noise. You are above that. You're seated there with Him. So when you're tempted or you're fighting or you're struggling, you're in battleground, just turn to the left. He's seated at the right hand. I imagine we're not between Him, so we're probably just to the right of Him, right? And we turn to your left and say, Jesus, help me. And just kind of picture, I got, what did we sing? I got this. I got this. If he be for us, who can be against us? Let's read on. It says, we're seated with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Oneness. Verse 7. So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you. By his grace. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do all the things he planned for us long ago. Just Why don't you just close your eyes for one moment. See yourself seated next to Christ in the heavenly realms. And just look over. And you see the smiling face. He says, you're going to be actually the glory. And you're going to be the representation of all of his grace. And he looks over to you with these eyes of what a masterpiece. What a unique, beautiful creature I have made here. Who loves me? That'll take you far away from this angry God. We're not the children in the hands of an angry God. We are not. We're the hands of a father who loves us. That's good. A masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. We all kind of look at our flaws. I mean, the ladies, you, you take so much time sometimes doing all this stuff you do. And I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I mean, come on, you know, we guys, we, we can get vain too, right? But you know, we look at our muscles and kind of like, how's that looking, babe? You know? But we kind of see our faults, right? We see our faults, and the Lord says, no, nah, you're not a mess. You're my masterpiece. And you're getting better because the spotless bride is being formed. And one day the father's going to present to his son this spotless bride. We read that last week in Revelation 19. The bride is making herself ready by the good deeds that she does. All right, well, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 10. I'm going to give you a Bible quiz after all this traveling around the scripture here. 1 Corinthians 10. 
Let's pick up in verse 12. I'm so glad there was a Corinthian church. You know, that was kind of Paul's bad, bad guy church. <laughs> Needed a lot of work. But it helps us because he gave them so much instruction. It was good. Um, this was lessons that they learned about different idolatry. And, and he talks about what happens in immorality, how many died in the Old Testament from their feasting and drinking and pagan revelry and, not enga- and engaging. And 20, 23,000 died in one day from their immoral behavior. And then he says, but if you think you're all that, um, be careful. Verse 12. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. This is that same theme, don't drift away. If you think you're okay, be careful that you don't fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others are experiencing. And God is faithful. Can I get an amen there? He will not allow, this is big, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Hello? The devil made me do it. No, he did not. He may have put the bait on the hook, but you bit down on it, right? It says, this temptation will not be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out that you can endure, so this is that play. The problem, I don't know about you, but you know, ha. Ah, when if you engage in a a battle of the will, like how many of you have ever been on a diet? Wow, only half of you. That's amazing. Okay, okay. You're not supposed to lie in church, by the way. So you've ever been on a diet? I'm gonna I'm gonna will this out, right? And it's like, ah. We have this thing. Katie loves chocolate. Where's Katie? Hi, Katie. And uh, she has this ability to bring stuff home. Chocolate fudge brownie ice cream in the re- refrigerator. We've, to- we've gone. And she- it's there. And it's like, oh, man. I keep got a Lord. You said I won't be tempted beyond what I'm able. Send your power right now. Right now, I don't know about you, but when you engage in a covenant fast, are you empowered differently? You ever notice that? If you start a fast in the Lord spiritually for Him, do you know this is something different that happens? What's happening? You just engage the a force of His presence that empowers your will in ways that. In the natural realm, you can't fight. That's, that's part of this journey we're on to empower the spirit-led life. Don't focus on the temptation. This is a, don't focus on the temptation. Focus on the way out. When we do prayer ministry, people come that are struggling with addiction. They're struggling with food or anger or hatred. They're struggling with slander. They can't seem to keep their mouth shut. They come down. They say, look, I just, I, just, I don't want to be critical. I don't. It's poisoning me on the inside. And I said, okay. Well, when the bait of the temptation, whatever it looks like or is, don't focus on how big the temptation is. Because what you set your mind on, he says in Philippians, fix your thought on what is righteous, true, and good, and holy. Fix your mind on these things. See, what you fix your thoughts on is a big 
tool in the box. And what he's saying is, don't focus on the temptation. Focus on the way out. That may mean when that ice cream is calling out in the freezer, it may mean I need to take a walk with my wife, right? We're counting our steps, right? She says, we're going we're gonna, to, let's go for a walk. It may be turn on the music. The other day I had a guy from another part of the state came in. For, he goes, man, when this temptation come out, what would you do? He goes, I started doing push-ups. And I kept doing push-ups. You know what? It left. Others set worship in motion. Start speaking in tongues. Call somebody who's a prayer partner. There are techniques. You need to stand firm against this thing. Figure out what works for you in the process of this battle. Because there's no temptation known to man that God hasn't provided a way out. Focus on the way out. Take a look at your outline and let's open to Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, what an amazing scripture this one is. Uh, this, I want you to see, we're going to read Romans 8, uh, about 17 verses, but I want you to see, listen to how many times this is said, 21 times in 39 verses in the New Living Translation, Holy Spirit or Spirit is used. 21 out of 39 verses. You think that's important? Hello? <laughs> He's not stuttering. It's really big and important. Right? Six times he uses control or controlling you or dominated by. And then he lists in if you let your sinful nature control you or if you let the Spirit of God. He uses that word and walk and follow which is a discussion of your free will engaged with the Holy Spirit. I want you to see you got a partner, the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in. Know ye not that you are the temple of the living God. Let's read Romans 8.1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong, that's a big word, to Christ Jesus. In other words, your past is the past. Paul says, forget about the things that are behind you. Forget about the past and press on to the forward walk in Christ, right? There's no condemning in your past. So if you've had an abortion in the past and you're a born-again believer, you've counseled someone to do something, you've messed it up. Well, guess what? We all have. And the blood of Jesus has washed you. One of my sisters this morning says, you know, sometimes the devil, we can't see through the darkness. But the same thing Jesus, the Father, only sees you through the blood. Isn't that something? So all of our, you know, I said this morning in intercessory prayer, I said, I think God, he, he grades on a curve. Bill, Bill Johnson would say, he, God factors in your stupidity. <laughs> when, when, when all of our mess-ups, right, when we get to the end of this thing and we, we maybe are, we're not spotless and we got a few wrinkles, right? He just like says, mm, more blood. Put the son's blood right on that. There's that bride. She's beautiful. A masterpiece, right? There's no condemning to those who belong. King James says, in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. See, it's still there. The death spirit is still there. But God has given you the power not to be led down that death spirit path. 
from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We are just plumb weak. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in the body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us a son's sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied, who no longer follow, you no longer follow your sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Hey, the, the message here is, do you hear the Holy Spirit? Remember toddler? Banging in, I don't, I don't think I heard God on that one too well. Well, get up and waddle the land a little more. Move on. You keep hearing. My sheep hear my voice. My, I speak to them. Learning how God speaks to you is really, really part of the journey. And so this part of where he says, look, you're really going to be without excuse. He says, I've given you everything you need. I sent you my son. I sent you the Holy Spirit. I've told you to now walk. Verse 5, those who are dominated, boy, that's a big word. By the sinful nature, think about things, sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. Set your mind on the things above. God, I want to please you. Does this place I'm going, things I'm, does that please you? No? Well, that's a clear indication. Better stop that. If you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you think about things that please Him. Verse 6, so letting, here we go again, free will, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Letting the Holy Spirit, the Spirit control your mind, leads to life and peace. How about that? There's a dual factor there. I want you to stop and think about it. There's more than just natural death being spoken of here. You dabble in pornography, you open the door to perversion, and you open the door to adultery. And then I have these folks come to me and say, wonder why my marriage is falling apart. There's death in sinful behaviors. Well, if I overeat or I smoke, if you do those things, I'm not trying to be religious here, but you are now partnering with things that are detrimental. And when you do that, you will have your life probably could be cut short. God wants you to live long and spread the good news. I mean, he, he works hard to get us to get somewhere, right? And when you finally start to arrive, we want to be here. So letting God control the way you think about these things will lead to life and peace. But it also can lead to deathful things. You sow anger and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, you will reap it. Galatians 6 God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will also reap. You withhold the blessings that God's called you to. He says in Malachi 10, he will not rebuke the devourer for your sake or pour out a blessing that you can't contain it. These are all choices. These are all places where we walk and we, we want to hold on, we want to do this, we want to somehow medicate our pain with some... The Lord's saying, if you'll let God lead you, it will give you peace and he'll give you life. Verse 7, 
The sinful nature is always hostile to God. This is that sin disease. I talked about it last week in the baptism, Romans 6, 6. We've been crucified with Christ. That Greek word, kartageo, that old man has been put out of business. He's unemployed. Don't re-employ him. Don't drift away. Don't call him back to life. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Doesn't obey the law. Never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature, they can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled. Man, you see how many words? Controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of God, Christ in them, living in them, they don't even belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Oh my gosh. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. King James says it this way, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and will quicken your mortal body. You got a pain in your body, you got something going on, you might want to say, the Spirit of God lives in me, start quickening this thing in the name of Jesus. Because he said that spirit's alive and in him there is no death. There's only life. And I have access to the throne room. So this is where he says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, verse 12, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, boy, this is a repetitive, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led, now here's another big big benefit, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Come on. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children, and now we call Him Abba, Father. Wow, what a powerful set of scriptures. I would suggest we meditate on this one a few days and nights. See how, and and when you go through life and this temptation comes, this circumstance happens, and you feel like you're being baited, step back from that. Take a spiritual vacation. James 1, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who will give freely. Lord, what's going on here right now? What is this? What spirit is this? What's behind this? What's, what's a little broken in here that needs to get you to spread some life in here so I make the right choice? Pay attention to your senses. I don't have time on this one, but he, Hebrews 5.14. Mature believers have trained their senses to discern good and evil. King James says, by reason of use... The mature believers who eat the meat of the word have been able to, by reason of use, discern good and evil. Pay attention. Let's turn to Galatians 5 and we'll start to wind this. Galatians chapter 5, familiar scripture on walking in the spirit, living by the spirit's power. 
Ephesians 5, and let's begin in verse 16. Ephesians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Do you see a lot of free will in this? It's loaded with free will. What, what do you choose to do? Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. She's a craving in this. The sinful nature wants to do evil, what is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us a desire that is opposite to what the sinful nature desires. So when, it's, when you start to see the two opposing forces. Now look, at this is a really encouraging scripture for me. Here's Paul writing to the church at Galatia. And he says this, Paul knew something, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. You can't, this, good intentions isn't going to get this. Paved, the road to hell is paved with it, right? It's going to be by the Spirit, verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation. Oh, I heard that before, to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. They're very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties, and all other sins like these. Is there any left? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Whoa. If you follow it, you're going to get all that. Let me tell you again. As I have before, that anyone living, this is a lifestyle, that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't drift away. Don't drift away. If you think you're strong, be careful. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, let's get to some good news. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. There's no law against these. Those who belong, here we are again, belong to Christ, have nailed the passions and the desires of this sinful nature to the cross and crucified them, cartageoed them, put them out of business there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoked one another or jealousy of anything. Man. Come on. That's why there's a, there's a reason he says, when you get up tomorrow morning, take your hammer and nail your passions, take up your cross daily and follow me. The grace you have for right now, you know, we're in church, it's like, man, I'm not being tempted. If you're being tempted now, we need to pray for you, but if, usually not. You're in the right atmosphere, right? But it's when you get home or you get in, it's like, Ugh. or you get up against that person that just like, Sandpaper, right? Iron sharpening iron. You want me to love them. Oh, my God. I want to bless them real good. Come on. Hey, you know what I'm talking about. But it's like, Lord Jesus, we can walk this thing out if you show us how to do this. And so Galatians, Paul is just so clear. James says, turn to James 1, kind of reiterates again, the James chapter 1, let's look at verse 12, he says, James 1, 12, 
God blesses those who endure testing and temptation. They're different. You can be tested if you're under some, you know, major thing, but then there's a temptation. So God is, he blesses those who patiently endure the test and endure the temptation. Afterwards, when it's all done, they will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God never tempted anybody to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. What's the root of temptation? This is a biggie. Temptation comes from your own desires. King James says your own lust and is enticed. Boy, that's... It comes, your temptation comes from your own lust and enticement. And it drags us away. Don't be drawn away. When you're enticed, get a picture of this. You give it, you start getting, get dragged away. You get dragged far enough and it becomes a demon attachment, by the way. You practice long enough into addictions or into these things and you can think, have things attached that make it much more difficult. It says, when your own desires and you're enticed, you're dragged away. Verse 15, these desires give birth. They give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed, allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Don't be misled, my brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down from the Father who created all the... Lisa shared this... The Father is the giver of all those good gifts. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we and all creation become his prized possession. Okay, last scripture. And we'll land this. Uh, Ephesians 4. I told you we are going to have a Bible quiz, right? Can't help it. I just, it's, just, it's just like you start to see a theme. Remember, these books were written over different time periods during different journeys of even the apostle himself, and he wrote it to different churches, and the thematic of this, how to walk this thing out, it's so reinforcing, and you see the same struggle Paul had. These forces are continually fighting each other. You know, he was able to tell us because he went through a lot of this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. That was in revival, by the way. Ephesians 4, 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives them because they have their minds closed and they've hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. I'll just stop this. I've been doing deliverances and prayer ministries and inner healing now for almost 20 years. But I got to tell you, in the last few years, the things I'm hearing from the people that are coming in, this debauchery and perversion is getting worse. It's getting to the place where this light and darkness, he said, you know, sin would abound, right? As sin's abounding, it would become more and more wicked. The love of many would grow cold. Jesus himself warned us 
this thing about hardened hearts. Then he goes on and says, they live for themselves. They, eagerly, they practice every kind of thing. Verse 20, but that isn't what you learned about Christ and the truth that comes from Him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deceptions. Instead, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitude. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Stop it. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. We're all the same part of the body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Stop it. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others that are in need. Don't use foul and abusive language. Stop it. Let everything you say be good and helpful, that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on that day of redemption. It's a big verse. King James says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I want you to see this thing. The spirit that's alive in you, you're the dwelling place of this most high, a holy nation, a priesthood. Peter says, living stones. Paul tells us in Romans, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're a temple. You're a house resting place. And every time you partner with sinful thoughts and actions, the Holy Spirit goes, and he curls up inside. It's like, you're grieving me. Usually it's the conscience that says, "Don't, don't do that. Don't think that way. The spirit of truth is alive, he's active, he's sitting here, you have to chirp her over here like, you ought to justify what you're doing. And the Holy Spirit's saying, no, no, love, love. The battle goes on and you're constantly fighting these forces. Pay attention. Mature believers have trained themselves. They're good soldiers, soldier on. This is that place where God's saying, live as the children of light. Verse one of chapter five, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his children. Live a life filled with the love following the example of Christ. Then it goes on, and don't be greedy. Don't be impure. Don't be immoral. Greed and idolatry. Whatever you're using for greed and idolatry, you worship the things of this world. Don't be fooled. God is angry about those kind of things who disobey. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine what pleases God and take no part in the worthless deeds of evil, darkness. Verse 15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise and make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. It will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing songs and hymns. When you look at the outline, the two forces that are constantly fighting, don't let the sinful nature cravings. Listen to the Holy Spirit. This war, Peter says, there's a war in your soul. He tells us in number two there, I warn you as temporary residents, abstain from fleshly lust. Now this is Peter, which wars against your soul. A war against your soul. Mind, will, and emotion. Temptation comes. We know where it comes from. 
And when it gives birth, it'll get, you're going to get death. Live by the power. Diligently seek. I want to show you a short film clip. One of, this, is, this part of this movie is Kingdom of Heaven. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But identity and what you believe about yourself. I don't care. Oh, hold, hold it right there a minute, guys. Just free. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I want to set this up. What, identity matters. What you believe about yourself matters. And then what you profess or what you allow people to declare over you. Right? I want you to see in this film clip, there's only one night left. Jerusalem is surrounded by the enemy. There's only one night left. The wimpy priest says, let's just make partnership with the enemy. Let's surrender. And the white knight says, it's not my code. Even if it costs my life, it's not my code. And he says, well, we have no more knights. We have no more knights. And he says, make the declaration. And there's a really interesting statement by the priest. All right, let's roll it. Yeah, afterwards. Nice and loud, guys. You've got to have the effect. My Lord. My Lord. My Lord. How are we to defend Jerusalem? Without knights. We have no knights. Truly. What is your condition? I'm servant of the Patriarch. He's uh, one of my servants. Is he? You were born a servant. Neil. Every man at arms, all capable of bearing them. Kneel! On your knees! Be without fear in the face of your enemies. Be brave and upright that God may love me. Speak the truth. Even if it leads to your death. Safeguard the helpless. That is your own. And that is so you remember it. Rise a night. Rise a night. Who do you think you are? Will you alter the world? Doesn't make him a man a knight, make him a better fighter. Yes. There's a lot of truth in that, what you believe, how the servant, he saw himself as a servant and the wimpy priest, right? Does making a man or a woman a soldier of Christ, believing it, Make them a better fighter. Yes! All right, let's stand. I want to invite the um, ministry team, you know who you are, to come here. I want to take a moment. One, if you've not received Christ ever, 
or you've been wandered off and you've been in a place where it's time to get out of the pig pen of life and come back, right? The prodigals are invited back. The father waits for them and wants to give them the robe and the ring and the sandals because he wants to identify their identity as sons and daughters, soldiers of the Most High. But he also, we can't do this without being filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the core values of a Spirit-led church is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll teach more of this on Wednesday nights, but Acts 8 and Acts 19 very clearly declare that there is a difference between receiving Christ in salvation and the baptism that comes. I'll give you a scripture on that. Luke chapter 11 says, evil fathers can give a good gift to their children. How much more would the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You've got to ask the Father. We can't do this in our own strength, but He equipped us with the Holy Spirit as a gift, the powerful, most precious gift from the Father. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends what He promised. Acts chapter 2, they are baptized in fire, and they set the world upside right in the name of Jesus. So all those who would like a fresh fill, just kind of, this is your own will, stretch your hands out like you're going to receive this again. Whoa, just fall the weight of that one in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I thank you right now. Lord, we just come. Would you just ask the Father, Abba, in heaven? As for your child of God, you have access. You're seated in the throne room next to the one. You can turn and ask the Father, Father, would you give me that gift? The Holy Spirit's presence right now in Jesus' name. I ask you to send the, co- the kabod weight of God upon us, Lord. Send the Spirit of God and baptize us fresh. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, as we invite your Spirit... You would baptize us. Would you fill these vessels? We take authority over everything that has been unclean, everything that has tried to torment, all condemnation and guilt and shame. There is none of that in Christ. Now, Lord, rout the enemy and fill these vessels, the living stones, the holy priesthood. Fill us with your presence right now. If you have the gift of tongues, just speak it out right now. Let the, and if you don't have it, ask for it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Let the fire of your presence, let your love of God come. Lord, I ask you to change us. Change the way we think. Romans, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewed mind, letting God change the way you think. God, we are soldiers of the Most High. We stand in the place, in the gap, for those that are still the pre-children of God, not born again yet. God, I ask you to send us. Send us to the nations. Send us to the neighborhoods. Send us, Lord. Keep us aware. Make us totally aware. Tune us by the Spirit to know what you want us to do. Give us empowerment. I bind all fear. Perfect love expels the fear. Perfect love expels all fear. God, we thank you now. Rest upon us, Holy Spirit. Fill this place with your presence. Heal the sick. 
Deliver the tormented. Raise the dead. God, we pray that you would join in us this kingdom that never fails. So let's just worship him and just receive, just soak in, just soak in. Ask him, what should I do differently this week than I've done in the past? What is it that you want me to partner with or not partner with? What are the friends you want me to give up? What are the friendships you want me to establish?